0: What is going on everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pit Podcast, your daily podcast covering the Pittsburgh Panthers. As always, I am your host, Nick Faribault, and today we are talking spring game. And of course, the big topic that everyone was looking forward to coming into this game was Keaton Slovis and Nick Patty, and who would look better between the two Of them, We got some answers. It's just a spring game, but we got some answers. We will obviously discuss them. We'll talk about some factors that may be mitigating both of them. We will also talk mainly about what I thought of their performance and what you could tell about this. We will also talk about Frank's offense, what I observed conceptually wise, and what you can look for in the base parts of this pit offense in 2022. It's all coming up today on the Locked On Pit Podcast. Our Locked On Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on everybody welcome back to the locked on pit podcast as as always if you are listening to this make sure to leave a review if you are watching this make sure to like comment subscribe turn on the notification bell do all that great stuff love all the support get on here folks and as always thank you for making the locked on pit podcast your first listen every day everyone so today it is the first episode after the spring game in which the gold team defeated the blue team 10 to 7. Nothing too flashy in terms of what we saw. Not a high scoring game, a sloppy game. The weather wasn't great. Everything you thought it could be, it pretty much was. And so this was not some beautiful football game where I saw. Textbook this and textbook that. This was a sloppy game, and it was a bad game for the offensive line. An extremely, extremely bad game for the offensive line. And it's okay. There were a ton of guys that were out. Now, I'm not just talking about Cradle, Hoy, and Drexel. I mean, Terrence Moore was out. Branson Taylor was out. There were a lot of guys that would be competing in that role that were out. And obviously, another thing is offensive line such a tangently concentrated chemistry position. So when you have all those moving parts and you're not with the same guys you're used to and you're with a walk-on center, both teams are with walk-on centers. So that really threw kind of things for a loop, right? And so when that ends up happening, oftentimes your stuff can get thrown awry. And you won't necessarily have the game you want because you're just not going to see good protection, especially when you go up against Pitt's defensive line. I mean, good Lord, what a performance by the defensive line. We'll talk about them as well later in this week and why I'm just so excited about this defensive line. What a dominant group they were in that game. And so this has to be a preface to what we're discussing with the quarterbacks. Because, let me be real here, I can't truly discuss the quarterbacks without mentioning that. I can't truly discuss the quarterbacks without mentioning that this is also not going to be the receiving core they're all going to work with. Jordan Addison didn't play in the game. And Kanaan Mumfield and Jared Wayne and Addison are all going to play together. And so, you're going to have those guys work together and those guys are going to be instrumental parts of your offense. And so it's hard to evaluate based off one spring game. But what I always say is you can at least look at traits. You can look at some progression, some things they do to help them fit into the offense a little bit. And so here's just a few things personally that I saw that I thought was pretty solid. And I think the the big one here is that I did not see a huge difference between Nick Paddy and Keaton Slovis. In terms of the overall all-around play of both of these guys, they were very even. You can make an argument, I think a very good one at that, that Nick Paddy was the better of the two. There was one area, though. I think there were two areas, actually, uh, both going different ways, where I saw the clear, distinctive, boy, these are just different. These guys are different in these ways. The first one was arm talent. Not to say Nick Patty is not talented with his arm and can't push the ball down the field. He can. You saw the threaded Mumfield, the big one. Um, But I will say this. I think that when you look at Keaton Slovis and some of the throws he had, the one to Barton in the corner of the end zone, throw up the seam to Bartholomew, some of those throws, the one Barton dropped as well in the over route, Uh, He had three really bad drops in that game uh, where he probably should have had two touchdowns and another big gain. And Slovis' arm jumps off at you, right? And it's the clearest thing you can see. I mean, it is the clearest thing you can see. It jumps off the table. Like when you are in person, I I saw this in person. I wanted to see this in person because this was really important to me. Who, Who does it jump off of? You know, this is going to confirm or, you know, debunk my suspicions based on the tape, right? And sometimes you need that last kind of buffer thing where you see it in person, and the ball just jumps out of the key hand a little bit differently. It did feel like at times he was a bit more of a one type of speed throw where he was throwing it a little bit too hard at times, but I saw the few throws that should have been caught in this game that would have been caught by, say, someone like a Jordan Addison or a Jared Wayne or a Kanata Monkfield, and I said, boy, this guy can make some unbelievable throws. And so I have really looked at everything he's done, everything that's come out of it, and it's hard not to be a little bit excited about some of the throws Keaton Slovis made. And that was really, I think, what the crux of this entire game was for me in terms of Keaton Slovis was what type of throws he would make, and I thought he made some really nice throws. And I thought, you know, that arm talent was really shown off a lot. I just didn't think his receivers bailed him out when he made some good throws. And then, you know, when he had time, I thought he, he thought he looked good. And we'll talk about that uh, now. I, I think that has also been one of the things I noticed different from Slovis to Patty. Patty has a different level of comfort under pressure. Um, and I thought, you know, Keaton Slovis actually managed the pocket decently. Well, I thought he stepped up in some hassle pockets. I thought he felt the rush a little bit and made some nice exchanges there. So I, I thought Keaton Slovis to a degree, honestly handled pressure than I thought better than he would have, um, which is an encouraging sign because I, I never thought that was necessarily one of his big strengths or, or something that would strike you as a key and slow strength, so I thought that stuck out well. But Patty has a different type of feel, uh, just an innate feel. Okay, I got to get out of there. I got to scramble. Uh, there was one place specifically where he felt the rush scrambled outside of the pocket and stayed behind the line, threw it down the field, wasn't complete. Probably He would have run for 10 yards if you know he was running in this game, but obviously they were wearing the red jerseys and weren't allowed to be hit. Uh, but he was just managing the pocket a little bit different, and it, it felt a little bit different. Everything here just—it felt like he was more comfortable. He was a little bit more poised. He kind of had this more innate feel to him. And so those were the two big differences between these two quarterbacks. I think the the innate pressure feel of Nick Patty stuck out to me, and then the innate arm talent of Keaton Slova stuck out to me. So those two guys have that differentiation. Now they have a few good things I saw that I thought both of them had in common and I thought was really good and really encouraging. And again, I don't think you can take so much away from this game. It's just a scrimmage. They've had three other ones. Uh, This was really just for the fans and it's a one practice in April. Um, So you can't take a ton away from a game like this, right? But just to see what I took away from it. I want to talk about these guys overall and what I thought of their performances next. But first, let me let you guys know about built bar because folks, if you want a protein bar that's 100% covered in real chocolate, but also has the health benefits of a protein bar. I have the protein bar for you. It's called built bar. They have the first ever protein infused marshmallow called the the Built Bar Puffs, which are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate, but all Built Bars are also covered in 100% real chocolate, and they have so many different flavors you can choose from. They have the taste of a candy bar but the health benefits of a protein bar. It's low in calories, low in sugar, low in net carbs, high in protein, so you get all those health benefits with getting the deliciousness you crave in a protein bar. Now, folks, all you have to do is go to built.com, use the promo code LOCK 15 and get 50% off your order. Again, that's all you have to do is go to built.com, use the promo code LOCK 15 to get 50% off your order at built.com. All right, folks, welcome back here to the Locked on Pit Podcast. We're continuing. Talk through Keaton Slovis and Nick Patty's performances in the spring game. And I think that this is a game you don't want to put too much weight into. Again, I am not going to say throw out. Ooh, I, I think that Keaton Slovis blew him out of the water. I think Nick Patty needs to transfer, or I think Nick Patty crushed Keaton Slovis. I don't know why Keen Slovis even came here. Like that is not something that I'm talking about here. And I want to make that very clear. That's very important to me. It's very important to me to to say this. So here is, is the bigger thing. I think both of these quarterbacks came out, it honestly played fine. And I don't want to say either of them, you know, blew them out of the water. I don't want to say either of them played unbelievably. Don't want to say either of them were unbelievable. I don't want to say any of that. What I do want to say, though, is that this game, to me, encapsulated a really good overall arc, I felt, about both these guys. I think they have two ACC-capable starters. And I'm willing to say that about Keenan Slowis. I was willing to say that about Keenan Sloas before this game. It just reaffirmed it. But you knew that based on the tape of this past – he had ACC starter stuff. Um, but in, in this game, he did that. But Nick Patty was the one guy I was looking at. So I've seen him play against Delaware. I've seen him in practice over the years. I've seen him come in relief efforts. I've seen him play in that Peach Bowl, that drive. And now I've seen him here. And I've seen him play in spring games before. And, and I keep telling people this. I've seen enough of Nick Patty. Again, I, I haven't seen you know the, the massive sample sizing game, but... I've seen enough over his five years or approaching five years here at Pitt to where I can tell you I believe that guy is a legit ACC quarterback. And let's go to Nick Patty first and let's describe what he did in this game because I thought he did some really good stuff. I thought he looked really poised in this game. We talked about that already. The the pocket management from I thought was really crisp. I thought he felt the rush. I didn't think he left pockets early. I thought he left them when it was needed. I thought he stayed on time and in structure, made a few really nice throws on time. I thought he looked good. And I never really thought to myself, oh, man, he missed that guy. I don't think he has precise ball placement because he has this weird funky delivery. The footwork's really good, but he has this weird delivery where his launch points kind of get messed up with his base and they're kind of in ill will time and he's got this long like this really long elongated release that's really funky um and so it can sometimes throw off the timing a little bit and so he's he was really trying to over anticipate some of his throws a little bit and there was one play where uh jared wayne struck out on a real quick out round and patty just threw it really early and wayne wasn't even ready for it uh out of his break i think that's part of it and that's you know, developing a little bit more chemistry, um, but I thought he looked good. I thought accuracy was pretty good. Again, not was pre- not was always precise because of, of this weird funky delivery he has. Um, but I think he looks pretty. Made the good reads. I don't think there were any blatant missed reads that I saw throughout this game. Uh, I thought he had pretty good process. I, I really did. And he's accurate. He's not super athletic. He's probably like a four eight five guy. But, but he's athletic enough. He's comfortable moving in space. He's tough as hell. I know that about him. And so Nick Patty, to me, looked like a good quarterback. Now, yeah, the, the ceiling I don't think is as high as with him. But he's a smooth operator. He's an accurate quarterback. He showcases to me everything I need to see in a legitimate starting ACC quarterback. And he might not be Trevor Lawrence. He might not be Kenny Pickett. But you're telling me this dude can't be a, a top half of the ACC? Honestly. Like, he could be a top half of the ACC level starter to me. There's not much holding him back from that. And I, he's not going to duel with the top NFL guys. That's never going to be what he's going to do. But I, he could be a manageable starter. He could lead the team to eight to nine wins. I believe that. If the team is talented enough around him, he can do it. He's not going to elevate a ton of players. He's going to be a game manager type. He's going to be a smart player. He's going to do all the things you need him to do. Probably not an NFL quarterback. Keaton Slovis, on the other hand, could be. And this is where we get into the argument. And this is why I think Keaton Slovis is going to be the starter. Keaton Slovis had his issues. And we talked about this. Some of his processing was like, dude, what are you doing? Got away with one pick that definitely should have been picked. And that was just a botched read. So that one, you want back every time, every day. But there was also some underlying things to where I was like, yes, this is the type of dude I look at and say he could be the guy. And those guys that I look at specifically that I think could be the guy is someone like, say, when when you look at Keaton Slows, I see a player that could be a Matt Ryan type. And I'm not saying the same level as Matt Ryan. I'm, it's a stylistic comp. You know what I mean? So that's the type of style we're talking about here. Good arm talent. Has some questionable things. You know, that, that interception to Shane Simon, didn't see the guy in the flat being covered both on the front side and the back side. I mean, that was never going to happen. That was just a bad decision. And so there, that was a processing lapse. I thought every now and then he had a, a, some late eyes. It felt like things at times could be a beat late for him. And this is what we were talking about, right? Every time he had to go from one, two, to three, and we only saw this about three, four times in that game because he just didn't get the protection to showcase that awful lot. But every time he had to go to one, two, to three, go backside, front side, or front side to backside, it was just late. He's not going to be the guy to picture that from one to two to three and be able to mentally picture what's on that backside. He can go from one to two front side. He can go from that. And that's where he's good. He can read that. I, I thought he did that a few times. I thought he specifically did that on the Gavin Bartholomew throw, where he probably should have caught that, he was looking for the go ball on the outside, came back up the seam. So I had a one on one under shields and took the shot. I thought that was a, a nice throw, but those are both front side reads. When he is asked to pivot over to the backside, and he was on that play, right? Saw his look on the front side wasn't open, so he came back side and went to the to the swing route. He didn't read it. He's not able to paint the picture of it maybe Simon was, was kind of bullhogging that because he's seen it in practice. That's certainly possible. But understand that Keaton Slobis does not have that one to two to three to the backside progression stuff yet. I didn't see it. One thing I did see, I thought that was encouraging, he moved pretty well. And I thought he looked pretty decently mobile, mobile, if you will. Uh, not a guy that's going to run a ton, but a guy that can step in the pocket, understands how to move in the pocket a little bit better than I thought he would. Again, I still thought he got a little deer in the headlights and uh, kind of froze at times. Um, but I also thought that when you looked at what he did when he was, say, on play action on bootlegs, uh, off the wide zone play action fakes, I thought he looked good. Uh, the throw to, to Jalen Barton on that over route, fading away off his back through it. Perfectly, Barton just dropped it. I thought it was a really nice throw. I thought he looked really comfortable moving and throwing on the move. I thought that was a really positive thing. That was one of the big things we talked about him showing. I think he showcased that well. I thought that was a big thing for Keaton Slowis in this game to showcase. Not that that was good. Again, it's kind of tough to, to simulate the progressions in such a, such a weird environment where you don't have your receivers, where you don't have your offensive line, where you don't have everybody you're going to work with. I thought Keaton Slowis looked fine. I wouldn't panic about Slovis. I wouldn't panic about Patty. You can't take a ton of stuff away. These are just observations about how I thought it. I thought it played out similarly to what we thought it would. But again, I think the good takeaway from this game for me is I think Pitt. I think Pitt has two legit ACC level starters. So I think that's always a good thing to have on your plate. Now, folks, I do want to discuss Frank Sinkhan's offense and kind of what I saw from it a little bit, and, and how we're working together here, and also the specifics of him and Keaton's Slows, because I thought this was something that really caught my eye. But first, let me let you know about BetOnline, because BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting sports needs and information. Find all the latest sports development, leads, reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs from the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continuous source for all your sporting wagering information, from live betting to playoffs to esports and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bed online where the game starts. Welcome back to the Locked Off Pit Podcast, everybody. As we are talking through some of the spring game stuff today, we will talk mostly about the quarterbacks. Today, we will obviously talk about the bigger takeaways later in the week. Tomorrow as well, and some of the big winners that I saw from the game overall. But today, offense-centric, quarterback-centric, Slovis, Patty, Signetti. But this is the Frank Signetti offense we saw, and it's the very bare-bones stuff. Um, very bare-bones stuff. that Narduzzi said, as such, we did not see a lot of this offense, right? There's, there's a vast field of this offense that still has yet to be revealed but i think we are at the stage where i think you take a play and you add in you take a play a package whatever it might be to the offense and it's not so foreign right it, it the base stuff of the offense the base philosophy of the offense we have seen and so there were a few things i saw that were really interesting to me first of all wide zone wide zone Everywhere. I mean, good Lord, we saw a ton of wide zone in this offense yesterday, and it was pretty striking. You saw a lot of play action, stretch bootlegs. You saw a lot of stuff that you would see in, say, Sean McVay's offense, um, Kyle Shanahan's offense. You saw a lot of those concepts, right? You saw a lot of mid zone as well. Uh, so very modern pro style scheme, which we expected, but the wide zone stuff is all there. Uh, which is very intriguing to me. You also saw a lot of mid-zone. That's kind of what Daniel Carter really looked great on. A uh, big dude burling downhill on a one-cut read on that one touchdown he had with the blue team. Uh, that was impressive. So when you look at at the, this conceptually, that is what you saw from the run game. The wide zone stuff can do a lot of different things to play with the defenders. I thought, by the way, Pitt's linebackers did a really nice job staying disciplined. And Again, maybe they had just seen it all spring. And that's cool, but I thought that was a good sign Uh for pit, The wide zone stuff was the big conceptual thing. I thought in the passing game, uh, I thought this was really interesting. I saw a lot of diverse type of routes. Um, I, I saw a lot more routes than I thought it would. You know, you saw over routes. You saw deep posts. Uh, you saw glance routes. You saw slants. You saw flats. You saw a Dino route. If you don't know what a Dino route is, it's post corner post. That's the route that kind of Mumfield ran on the fifty-five yard play to open the game. Um, so there were a ton of routes. And obviously the go balls. They they ran a diverse route tree, and I think this was something else I didn't see enough of on Frank's Boston College type of tape. And maybe he just thinks he has different receivers here to do different things. But he had Zay Flowers there, so it's not like you. We're devoid of receiver talent at Boston college. Um, but I maybe he just feels like he has different types of receivers here. They he can do more with because the route tree was very diverse, very open, a lot of high, low stuff, a lot of flood concept stuff off that play action. They really like to open up the middle of the field, which I like. Um, a lot of different routes in this playbook. And, and it was a lot more diverse for a spring game than I thought. Of. I thought that was very notable Um, in terms of alignments. Uh, here's another thing that, that I saw. Uh, when you look at someone like Daniel Carter, I thought the multi-usage in him was really interesting. Some line up as a fullback, an H-back, and a running back. Uh, so that shows me an utilization of talent, the ability to get your guys on the field regardless of what they do. Uh, if you think they're worthy of playing, they are worthy of playing. I, I thought that was very interesting. I thought that was very fun to see. I thought overall that that was really one of the better things to see. Right. And so this was something that I thought was really good. And then also formations, a lot of unbalanced types didn't see a ton of two by two, uh, for example. Now you did see some two by two uh, every now and then you saw some, you know, 12 personnel where they would run that, uh, but you didn't always see that. And so I thought you saw a lot more three-by-one, for example. Um, Sometimes if four-by-one if you count the running back. You saw a lot of heavy sets to one side out of the shotgun specifically. And I also thought this was interesting because this is a very NFL-type thing that we're seeing when they were under center, specifically with no fullback. And I want to say with no fullback because it's very important. With no fullback, I thought you saw a lot of condensed alignments. And what I mean by that is I didn't see a ton of guys way out here. If they're split end, I didn't see them all the way out here. If they're a flanker, I didn't see them all the way out here. These guys were coming in and very condensed. The formation was all condensed. And, it, the, the, you know, the that made the space was condensed. And so that's a very NFL thing. So the wide receivers this year are going to have to block a little bit. Uh, and those guys – are gonna have to make things happen, and we saw Kadana Mumfield make a big play out of that. He had a condensed set, motioned in, and look what happened. Uh, so we're gonna see that a lot. A uh, stacked alignment, stuff like that, very NFL heavy offense, and that was something that really struck me. And Keenan Slovis said that you know they watched Eli Manning and Aaron Rodgers, and it makes complete sense because if you, to watch someone you know run, say. A LaFleur offense, which is a a different variation of the McVay offense, makes complete sense, right? And so I think that that is something that's actually going to hate Keen slopes. This is such an NFL offense. It feels like you're watching one of those McVay disciples when you watch this offense. It really does. This is the Frank Signetti offense. It really is so similar to what Sean McVay runs in Los Angeles. And so that is what you're going to see schematically. And I thought it was very interesting. You saw all those tight alignments. You saw all the ability to kind of mix and match personnel and try to relay matchups, even in its base form. And that's what I really took away from it. And so for Keaton Slovis, middle of the field is going to be wide open, man. That's your big thing. And that's how he made it easy. The one read stuff is through the middle of the field. It's the most plentiful part of the field. It's the most rich part of the field. It's going to be where he's going to attack a lot. And so he made it easy by doing it very interestingly with attacking matchups, attacking mismatches, making sure that this was the alignment you see. It's leverage reads. And that's all Keenan slowis has to do is read leverage. And he can do that fine. That's a very easy read for a guy like Keaton Slows to make. And so very interesting to see this. And, I, I you know, it's it's interesting to see with Frank Sting's offense has kind of morphed into, because even this looked a little different than what he ran at Boston College. And so this is going to be a really fun offense I think to see evolve over the year, and I'm really looking forward to seeing it over the summer as he implements more and more things. All right, folks, as always, thanks for listening to the Locked on Pit podcast. We will be back tomorrow, of course. We'll talk about guys like Shane Simon, Daniel Carter, more Kanata Mumfield. We will talk about the winners of this game, and we will talk about how everything is working out, for this group coming into 2022. It's all coming up tomorrow on the Locked on Pit podcast. As always, thanks for listening. As always, hail to Pit.